Curtin Cade Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. A topic we tend to shy away from in the church today is hell. Is hell real? What is hell like? Well, we know that hell is real because the Bible tells us it is real. Jesus himself tells us that it is real. And if somebody says, well, are you saved? Then always the question pops up, well, what are you saved from? What are you saved to? What does being saved mean if you don't believe there is a hell? Two ways to die, in Christ or in your sin. So you die in Christ, you go to be with a holy God because of what Jesus did for you. Paid your sin debt in full. You die in your sins without Jesus. Then you're separated from a holy and just God. This is a gospel issue, isn't it? It is, and Pastor David Kaywood joined us and talked about, uh, well, he began by telling us how it really affected his church. This is really interesting, and if you can, stay with us throughout this podcast, because there's a lot of ground that we cover that's important, and it may just be a reminder for you, but we need to be reminded of some of these things that we don't think about nearly enough. Hey, David, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show. All right. So why did you decide, okay, I want to write an article about hell? I mean, because, again, I just get back to this whole idea of, see, we don't talk about hell nearly enough. I realize you can go to extremes. You can talk Mm -hmm. about it too much without talking about heaven. But uh, it's almost like the great omission. We just want to, we feel uncomfortable with it, don't we? We really do, and at our church, we're going through the Gospel of Mark, and we tend to do verse-by-verse preaching, and it was my turn to preach, and I got the subject on hell, and I, I preached very reverently that morning, and something happened to me that morning that's never happened before, but after the sermon, I got a round of applause. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've never had that uh-huh. before in a sermon, wow. and I, I, I wondered why... A sermon on hell would cause a round of applause. And then afterwards, as I was talking to Christians in our church, many of them were deeply, deeply influenced by the sermon. And I I think deep down, a lot of people have gone through trauma and hardship in their lives. And hell just magnifies the justice of God. And that one day that justice will be poured out on those who don't repent and believe in Jesus. And so seeing the response from the congregation and talking to Christians afterwards made me think that just posting an article on my blog would be fruitful because Christians are really wanting to have biblical answers to this question that we keep avoiding. I felt like it would be something that would be useful in the online world as well. But it started with a sermon in my church. Yeah, well, that's great. See, this is this is one of those topics, too, that it has been said, and you mentioned this, you allude to this in your article, that... If you talk about hell, if you can talk about hell without uh, a tear uh, in your in your eye, then maybe you should just kind of back off a little bit because, you know, the point being, this is a very serious topic, but, you know, warning people, we must, the Bible is not only a book of comfort, it's a book of warning as well. And what are we saved from? I get back to that. What did Jesus save us from? Saving us from ourselves, yes. Uh, making sure that we have peace with God because of our sin, yes. But 
we need to remember that without Jesus, it's not just we're going to be separated from God forever if we don't receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, um, believing that he died for our sins, because there's only two ways to die, in Christ or in your sin. And if you die in your sin, you're separated from a holy and just God. Um, If we do not talk about the other side of this, because maybe it has been overemphasized to the extreme in the past, then we're not doing our duty. This is a gospel issue. This is not one of the sidebar issues. This is a gospel issue, and I would imagine that that's one of the reasons why you got a standing ovation, because everybody's just breathing a sigh of relief. Finally, finally, we are talking about this, this topic, and we should have a healthy fear of God in this way. Unpack some thoughts there. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of going on and on, but, but share some of your thoughts here this morning on these things. Yeah, when the, what I would say is when we talk about what we've been saved, sometimes people will say, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? And the question in response is, saved from what? What am I saved from? Yeah. And a, a lot of times, we, we, when we talk about salvation or when we've come to Christ, we often think about salvation in terms of our conversion. When we were converted to Christ, and we think about all the benefits of salvation, but we neglect where we stood as a sinners by nature and by choice in relationship to a holy God. And I, I think that, you know, I was there was a story of a guy who was an army chaplain, and he told the people who were coming to listen to him speak that hell was not real. And then the next week, he was getting ready to preach and no one showed up. Yeah. Why would you show up? What's the point of it all? So I, we, we tend, when we talk about the God of the Bible, we often refer to his attributes of love, of his grace, of his mercy. But Paul tells us to, uh, we're informed to preach the whole counsel of God. And you really cannot have the good news of Jesus Christ, that he lived the perfect life, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, without the bad news. The bad news is that we're sinners and God is holy and we deserve his punishment as a result. So I think if we if we shy away from the topic, we're really going to be deficient in our Christian lives. I do think that, you know, we, at our church, we've been going through divorce in Mark, and now we're doing money this Sunday. We did hell a few weeks ago. When you, when you lean into these hard topics of the Bible and not shy away from them, they have a way of growing your faith and blessing your faith. And when you truly understand hell and your sin in relationship to God's holiness— and you, you get out of that study or that prayer time understanding the grace of God in Christ for you, it's not going to do anything but bless your soul and give you a sense of thanksgiving to God for rescuing you from His wrath and rescuing you from hell, which is a real place. You know, it is a real place. And I think part of the problem, some people don't really believe in God because our God is so good, They so they don't believe he would send us to hell. But in Matthew, it tells us it was designed for the devil and the, and demons. It wasn't designed for people, but that's what, because we're making that choice now. Do, who do we serve, God or Satan? Right, exactly. And even that's a... Matthew's a great place to go. You can even go to to Revelation where we learn about the lake of fire as well. And uh, it it really is serious because we we live in this 21st century world now 
where economic and material prosperity are higher than it's ever been. I mean, uh, over the past 100 years, we have experienced more prosperity and health and comfort than we've ever had in the history of the world. And the life expectancy has shot through the roof over the past 100, 150 years. And there's a sense in which when you live in uh, such a glorious, wonderful place where we have so much comfort that the, the reality of an afterlife doesn't really resonate with you. It, it doesn't really mean anything to a lot of people to want to seek God because they, they have such comfortable, cushy lives. Whereas before, life was barbaric. It was characterized by suffering and hardship. It was common for children to die in infancy. There, there wasn't a lot of money to go around. People really did wonder about their next meal. And as a result, people, they, they sought after God. There was an interest in God. There was an interest in the afterlife. Because if life is this cruel now on earth, I certainly don't want that to happen to me after I die. But now the pendulum has swung so far that we, we live in so much prosperity that many people who don't know the Lord, who are unbelievers, aren't as concerned about spiritual matters because it, their eternity it seems so abstract to them. Yeah. It seems so lofty in the clouds. And, and, and one of the biggest blessings that God can do for someone who hasn't received the Lord Jesus Christ is to permit some suffering in their life to show them, hey, God is real and what you do matters and God's going to hold you accountable. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. The punishment of the wicked dead in hell is described throughout Scripture as eternal fire. I'm thinking of Matthew 25, uh, unquenchable fire. That's uh, Matthew 3, uh, shame and everlasting contempt. Uh, it's Daniel. Let's see, where else? A place where the fire is not quenched, Mark chapter 9, a place of torment and fire, Luke 16. Everlasting destruction, 2 Thessalonians 1, 9. A place where the smoke of torment rises forever and ever. That's in Revelation chapter 14. And a lake of burning sulfur where the wicked are tormented day and night. Here's the kicker, forever and ever. That's uh, Revelation 20. So, um, do you think that, uh, again, this is speculation, in entering into the realm of speculation, do you think that the flames are literal flames? Uh, and then hell is described as a place of intense darkness. Well, how can you have darkness if you have flames? These are some of the questions that tend to come up. What do you think about those things? That's a great question. I would need to do some some work in the original languages to see how the words are typically used in general. Yes, I do, because I just take a straightforward reading of the passage. What about the, uh, you know, the there are, if you look back in church history, there are some well-known preachers in the past and pastors who actually um, said, you know what, I don't believe there's a hell. I believe in annihilation. When you die, you perish, you're gone. There is no hell that you go to forever and ever and, and all of that. And you look through church history and you see some fudging on this doctrine, and that is even up into today. There are some people, some preachers, uh, who tend to say, you know what, 
just not comfortable with the doctrine of hell. Uh, one of those guys that, that I read, and I love his books, but uh, he was kind of waffling on this doctrine of hell was John Stott. And then also I had a conversation with Eugene Peterson at one point. He's, he's uh, no longer with us, but he is the uh, guy who translated the paraphrase, not translation, really the paraphrase, came up with the paraphrase of the message. Personal conversation I had with him, uh, he also tended to believe that hell is not a reality. This is a problem. So it seems to me, what do you think? I, I mentioned John Stott in my article that he believed in annihilationism, and I, I really do love John Stott. I, I think he's very productive. His book, The Cross of Christ, is a classic. He has done so much good for the body of Christ, and you do you do get these guys who are so sharp and so godly, and then they, they say something about a doctrine. Sometimes it makes you scratch your head, and John Stott does that with the doctrine of hell, and uh, even more concerning is universalism, mm-hmm. this, this idea that everyone goes to heaven upon death, and that's a a misunderstanding of Philippians 2, where Paul says that every knee shall bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. So some people say that that means everyone's going to heaven, when no, actually what Paul is saying that everyone's going to recognize the lordship of Jesus, not that they'll be with him in eternity. So I, 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 don't, I don't know how someone misses the understanding of forever and ever and words like unquenchable, to believe in what Stott believed seems to undermine the holiness and justice of God. God's justice is such that nothing will will do justice unless it's forever and ever. I want to be respectful to guys like Stott and N.T. Wright and these other theologians because I, I know what it's like to feel and write and read for much of the day and put out resources for the people of God. And there, there's always disagreements on, on issues somehow it comes up. I, I don't always know how it comes up. It, it has to be uh, cultural influences in which they minister or personal temperament or personal experiences from life. Sometimes our, our own experiences and our own traumas tend to make us read into Scripture what's not there. And that's always problematic. We don't want yes. to read our script, our experiences into Scripture. We want Scripture to interpret Scripture for itself. Hell is a real place. Uh, what are we saved from? What did Jesus save us from? More than just uh, a difficult life that you know our sinfulness creates for us. It's much more than that. Um, he saves us from separation from a holy and just God. Our view of God is critical here when we're talking about this very important subject. God is holy and just, as well as compassionate, loving, and forgiving. But you see, that all goes together. These are all the attributes of God. And if you spend time in the Word, which we all should, it's very clear that justice is a big part of who He is. So how can He forgive us if, you know, He is holy and just? You know, how can that... How can that happen? Of course, the answer is the gospel. This is why it's a gospel issue. Jesus came to die for our sins, all of our sins, when, and we receive this by faith, believing that he did this and repenting from our sins and agreeing with God that we're sinful. We need a Savior to be in his presence. 
We believe that Jesus took all of the wrath of God on his shoulders. God did not overlook our sin. Jesus paid the debt in full. Remember what he cried, what what he said, what he shouted basically from the cross? It is finished. Debt paid. Nothing more needs to be done. That's why salvation is a gift. You receive it by faith. And Jesus rose from the dead. God accepted the sacrifice. And so there's also that wonderful trade, if you will, at the cross. Our sins are forgiven. And the fact that Jesus lived the perfect life that we could never live on our own, he did so on our behalf. So you receive him as Lord and Savior. Your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And then his righteousness is imputed, fancy word, given to you. It's basically credited to your account. So when God sees you, he sees you in his son, the righteousness of his son. Therefore, you will spend eternity in the presence of a holy and just God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Because the alternative is going to a real place called hell, separation from God. And, you know, the Bible there, again, we talked about, uh, it's described as a a place where the smoke of torment rises forever and ever. And I I really think a huge part of this, David, is that we're like, how do I reconcile? I'm getting back to this. How do I reconcile a loving God with uh, sending people to hell? But, you know, this whole idea is, is one of, well, wait a minute. Not was not why does God save some people and not others? This is really deep stuff. But the issue is, why does God save anybody at all? He is still merciful. And here's the deal, too. If I've heard the gospel message, I don't need to worry about the guy in Africa that's never heard the name of Jesus, that, that argument. Okay, that's fine. I trust God to be just because I believe that's who he is. But what have I done with Jesus? You know, what have I done? We should have a healthy fear of being separated from him. Why does hell need to be eternal in terms of eternal punishment? There, there's a quote by J. Warner Wallace that stood out to me as I was writing the article, and he said, the loving nature of God requires justice if it is to be meaningful, and the justice of God requires punishment if it is to be fair. And sometimes when we think of the eternal nature of hell, we have a difficult time with it because our our view of God's holiness isn't to the degree that it should be. It says uh, Isaiah says that God is holy, holy, holy. There's no other place in Scripture where an attribute of God is mentioned three consecutive times like that. There's an emphasis on the holiness of God. So, in an effort to magnify his justice, in an effort to magnify who he is at his core, in God's wisdom, God has ordained that hell would last forever. There you go. Mm. See, they, they, we have, when we talk about stuff like this, we need to just realize it's a holy ground moment. And again, I get back to this, this idea that there's only two ways to die, and that is in your sin— or in Jesus, who paid your sin debt in full. David, I want to thank you so much for being with us and helping us navigate a very difficult yet super important topic. Uh, you've done a great job, and uh, 
many blessings to you and your ministry. You're always welcome to join us for our conversations. This is important. Thank you, and I, I really appreciate your gospel emphasis on the show, and I that really came through. And I, I just thank you all for wanting to magnify the gospel on this show. It, it really is palpable when I was just listening to you, to you both talk. So thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Curtin Kate Mornings podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.